0: and Peter Schweizer, who deserves a medal of freedom in my view. This is the Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to the Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power. And joining me as always is the co-host of the program, Eric Eggers. He's an author and vice president of the Government Accountability Institute. Eric, great to see you. Hey, it's
1: great to be here, Peter.
0: So we're going to talk about inflation today. And I'm wondering, uh, you're an average American, right? <laughs> is inflation taking a bite out of the Eggers budget?
1: Oh, there's no doubt, right? I mean, we're just coming off of Easter weekend. And let's just say that Jesus is not the only thing that's arisen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. it's the it was,
0: cost of living has, it, yes.
1: It was a lean Easter in the Eggers household. You know, I wanted to have uh, ham and champagne and orange juice. And instead, we had spam. And I drink, box wine, and just text the next girlfriend named Mimosa. So it was a lo- much tougher time th- this holiday. I, and I'm blaming inflation, not any of my own personal things. Yeah,
0: it was not personal choices. It no. all came down to government policy. That's right. Well, we're going to talk about inflation today. Everybody's discussing it. Everybody's experiencing it. You go to the gas pump. You see the prices there. You want to buy bacon, beer, whatever at the grocery store. Those prices have gone up. And we're going to talk about how bad is it, uh, because actually, there's a lot of evidence that the government is cooking the books. Wait, what are you talking about? I heard from the
1: president. I heard from our country's top elected official. I heard from the leader of the free world that inflation is really just a myth. The idea that's based on government policy is clearly just hateful right wing media tactics and in fact it's all vladimir putin's fault
0: that's right it's vladimir putin's fault because vladimir putin of course has his hand on the printing press and he is assi- he sets the federal budget so we're going to unpack all of this and discuss uh what the actual rate of inflation is and explain inflation, I think, in a different, more realistic way for a lot of people. A a lot of times it it becomes all about numbers, but in fact, there's a lot of evidence that cronyism and corruption in our government involving our political class is actually the root cause of this massive problem.
1: Well, and ultimately what we do at the Government Accountability Institute, other than like turn you into the world's greatest author of all time, (laughs) (laughs) is uh, I think we explore incentive structures. And right. we say, okay, well, if this problem exists and everyone sort of agrees that it's a problem, how come nobody fixes it? And in- inevitably, the answer is because the status quo tends to be really good for important stakeholders. And unfortunately, I think inflation is no different. And one of the things we've talked about over a previous podcasts is like no one's really incentivized to help get this problem under control. But, and so we'll talk about and we've done previous podcast episodes. So part of this will be reminding people of the government policies and the people that have benefited from those along the way that make it so that, yeah, you can't have a decent uh, you know Easter brunch without serving like plastic eggs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the basic problem, the thesis today is that. Uh, government agencies and government officials are the root cause of inflation, uh, rather than accepting responsibility, they're deflecting, they're Mm -hmm. blaming other people, whether it's Vladimir Putin or corporate America. But before we get to that discussion, lay out what we believe are the three major causes of inflation. Eric, how bad actually is inflation? What are the numbers, at least the quote unquote official numbers right now
1: say? Yeah, the official numbers. And this is one of the reasons why we're talking about this this week is because everybody sort of lost their mind when the consumer price index or CPI officially hit over 8%. They're saying that inflation is now eight and a half percent. So that means that the average American household will pay $5,200 more this year to maintain the same standard of living, according to a Bloomberg analysis. Now, having just gotten my IRS bill fifty two hundred would be fine, but uh, no. But for
0: I said you were an average American. Let's just stick with that. Okay, okay? (laughs) let's not talk about your enormous tax bill. (laughs) That you're, that you're basing. So that $5,200, that's why you're not having the ham this year. That's exactly didn't why. You didn't have the ham. It was because of something else. <laughs> but, and so a lot of the information has been focused on the consumer price index, which is what we pay. Like but what, the,
1: what average Americans are paying for the goods that they consume every
0: year. Exactly. But there's a hidden number that seems to indicate in the latest list of numbers that it's going to get worse. That is the so-called producer price index. Now, this is what uh, restaurants and businesses are paying for the goods and services that they uh, are paying for to create their products. Wait
1: a minute. You mean that things aren't only expensive for the people that buy things at the back end? They're and expensive for the things on the front end too?
0: That they're And they're getting more so. Yeah. In fact, even though the rate of the consumer price index is 8% a year, producer price indexes went up 11.2% last month on an annualized basis. So what that means is we can probably expect more price hikes coming down the question. But here here's the, the the larger question, Eric, is do you actually believe these numbers? Are these numbers you think actually a reflection of what people are experiencing and what the reality is? Well,
1: absolutely, right? Because we were told, hey, man, two weeks to slow the spread and that's, it lasted two, <laughs> oh no, never. Okay, for, so forget about that one. Uh, we were told that masking and social distancing, w- no, yep. that was a tough one also. Yeah, so I would say the government's not elite at this moment in time. At, uh, you know, kind of saying what they mean and meaning what they say and the, the authenticity and the veracity behind their statements has been at a better place historically. So I guess if you, that's a long way of saying, no, I really don't believe it.
0: Yeah. And you're right to not believe it, because the fact is the government has this habit when numbers are bad. They just changed the calculation <laughs> of the number. I mean, isn't that genius? We wish we could all do that. You know, if if you have a tax bill you don't like, just go to the IRS and say, I'm going to recalculate and redefine what actual income is. Well,
1: when I worked for the Department of Education under Jeb Bush, you know, they started testing everybody. Yeah. And when the numbers weren't um, as good, you know, when the, the math and the reading numbers weren't as good as they wanted to be, we started saying, Florida leads the nation in rising student achievement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. We're getting a
1: lot better than that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, in that spin, what they actually did when it came to inflation is they changed the way that it was calculated. Right. So, you know, right now, if you listen to the news, they say, oh, inflation is as bad as it was in the 1980s, back in 1981, 1982. Here's the problem, Eric. They calculated inflation very differently in the
1: 1980s. So they're saying today the inflation is as bad as it was in 1980s. But you're saying the way they calculated it at that time was not the same measurement.
0: That's right. That's right. And what they did is, as inflation continued uh, to rise in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, they have winnowed down. They have minimized how they calculate inflation. So, for example, the role that housing plays is a lot less today than it was in the 1980s.
1: Which is crazy because housing is not exactly
0: flat. Oh, well, and and it's also kind of a mm, necessity, right? <laughs> I mean, you need to actually live someplace. So, there's a great website I commend everybody to go to. It's called Shadow Shadowstat it's run by statisticians and they take the calculation that we used in the 1980s for inflation and apply it apply today because what they say is that the new consumer price index numbers that you're getting from the biden administration you got from trump you got from george w bush and obama no longer actually measures the cost of maintaining a constant standard of living uh so the real number if we use the same calculation from the 1980s today, would say that annual inflation right now is 17%.
1: Which just to put that into some context, if you li- listen to a recent NPR report where they were trying to talk about inflation being a global phenomenon, they actually said, now yes, in the United States, uh, inflation, they said it much quieter, right? Because NPR, now in the United States, inflation's <laughs> 8.5%. But elsewhere, like in Sri Lanka, where they're rioting and protesting the streets and threatening they want the president removed, they're doing all that because the inflation is 18%. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: So we're right there. We just don't know it because our government, unlike the Sri Lankan government, is sophisticated enough to, to cook the books. That's right. So so the myth is that inflation is as high now as it was in the 1980s. It actually goes back further than that. How far back does it actually go, Eric?
1: The last time we had inflation of 17% was 1947. Oh, man. So on the post of the you know, post-World War and the, the economic boom and everything happening there. So 1947, I think it's definitely before I was born it, was it second grade for you? <laughs> third grade? Right, that's, uh, right, that's right. You know, 1947, a long time ago. <laughs> that one of the top movies, somebody won an Oscar actually for this just to get, put you in the right mindset. 1947, Miracle on 34th Street came out. In oh, yes. Yes,
0: it's a great Christmas movie.
1: It's a great Christmas movie that ironically and for some reason was released in June. For some, like imagine <laughs> really? going to see Miracle on 34th Street in June. But I think to your point, Uh, You know, in terms of like, what was inflation like? Yeah. In that movie, right. The the guy, Santa Claus sees somebody and he's, it's a bad Santa. So he takes over and he ends up getting, working some magic, makes the girl believe in Santa Claus again and gets a couple to be together. Right. Um, So in that movie, Santa lived in midtown Manhattan. Right, because it was made before 1947. (laughs) Santa lives at the North Pole now because inflation's (laughs) so high, it's the only place you can afford to live. Right,
0: right. There's the real measure of inflation. We've actually had to uh, move Santa Claus to the North Pole. But this is fascinating because it speaks to what's really going on in the country. And that is that we have inflation that's much higher than we realize. I think a lot of people are experiencing it. They look at certain items like bacon or gasoline. They they see the price, it's skyrocketing. Uh, And yet the numbers say, oh, it's not really that bad it is actually that. Bad.
1: I mean, how could it not be that bad? Because wages have not kept pace anywhere near what the inflation is. And so you're right. Gas is 25% higher than it was not that long ago. And that's talking about gas, talk about housing. Of course, people are having a real hard time.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, the good news is for America, we can rest assured that the political class is rising to the occasion, right? They they recognize inflation as a problem. They are taking responsibility for their role in it. Um, actually no no that's not. not.
1: that's actually the opposite of that what's that's happening. exactly the they're blaming Vladimir happening. Putin
0: they're va- blaming Vladimir Putin and they're blaming corporate America mm. Senator Elizabeth Warren says quote we can't overlook the role the concentrated corporate power has played in creating the conditions for price gouging this one's always weird to me because uh Senator Warren large corporations existed during the Trump years they, listed, they existed during the Obama years. Why are they suddenly now deciding to be more greedy uh, because Joe Biden's in office? I mean, it makes no sense. Uh, and of course, President Biden uh, has you know gone on to blame uh, all sorts of things other than government spending. He said at one point, I'm sick of this stuff. The American people think the reason for inflation is the government spending more money. Simply not true. And then, of course, he went on to blame Vladimir Putin. Uh, which, of course, is ironic because Putin invaded Ukraine just recently. But we've had ramped up inflation really going back the last nine months to a year. So let's talk about what are the primary causes. The three primary causes as we see it. Of inflation in the United States today. And it really rests with the federal government itself. It's not a question of corporate gouging as much as Vladimir Putin is a uh, horrific leader who is engaging, in my mind, in genocide in Ukraine.
1: We can blame him for a lot of things, just not necessarily the increase of the price of bacon.
0: That's exactly right. So here are the three we're going to discuss. The first is the dramatic increase in the money supply, the second one is the explosion in government spending, and the third one is energy and what is being done to our energy interest industry and if you look at those three you realize quickly what is causing inflation to rise so dramatically
1: yeah so the increase in the money supply uh we and we actually have done a few different podcasts about this one of the favorite ones i think we did is we talked to christopher leonard who wrote an awesome book about the federal reserve but um the growth rate of all the dollars in circulation was a historic 27% in 2021. So what does that mean when we say that 27% of all the dollars in perspective or in circulation rather uh, come from 2021?
0: So all the money that exists, all the US dollars that exist around the globe, 27% of them, more than one in four of them, was actually created in just 18 months.
1: In the last two years.
0: Yeah, in the last two years. And that's shocking because... What causes inflation, whether there there are multiple causes of inflation, but one is when you have more money chasing fewer goods, right? That just means the price is going to go up. And if you start printing money, you cheapen the value uh, of the money. The best example I ever heard of this is imagine if you've got a half a gallon of milk and you decide to add water to it. You love this milk example. I love this milk example because it's simple and easy and it makes sense. You would look at the surface and say, "Hey, I've got more milk now." Or the analogy would be we've got more money, we've actually got more wealth. Actually, you don't. You have the same amount of milk you always had. It's just been thinned out, it's mm-hmm. been cheapened, and that's what's happening to the dollar. So, you've had um the the federal government, the Federal Reserve print an enormous quantity of money. In a short period of time, Uh, and that has led to a massive flood of dollars being available, and those increase in the money supply is chasing fewer goods. That's a big contributor to
1: inflation. And this is maybe on some level where Joe Biden has a little bit of a point because, as Christopher Leonard pointed out, you know, partly in response to the COVID pandemic, the Federal Reserve printed in historical context. 300 years worth of money yeah. in two months.
0: <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> right. What could go wrong? I
1: mean, and look, we, we talked about this. We all remember March 2020, we, we were still going to the office and the Dow went from 30,000 down to 18,000 in a relatively right. short period of time. Everybody's losing their mind. Right. And so the Trump administration and the people in charge are trying to prevent a global economic, you know, in addition to people's physical health being attacked, they're trying to maintain some level of fiscal resources. So they printed a lot of money uh, the Fed's balance sheet in 2014 was $4.5 It's now, after March 2020, up to $9 trillion. Double so, Doubled. Double, yeah, doubled. So we're talking about a massive increase in the amount of uh, capital that was circulated. And to their point, they did successfully get the stock market back up, right? It, it yeah. rebounded very quickly. Yeah. But- what we're now dealing with is the lasting you know the lasting impact of that and that wasn't necessarily a Biden administration policy
0: right that in fact the federal reserve of course uh the, the, the president of the united states appoints people to the federal reserve board but the federal reserve is the one that chooses the amount of money they're going to print it's voted on by the board so the president doesn't have a direct role in that congress does not have a direct role in that, but they do in the second big factor leading to inflation, and that is the explosion in government spending. Uh, and this is interesting as well because the more the government spends, uh, you now have more demand for certain goods and certain products because the government's spending this money, it's circulating more money through this fiscal approach. And the explosion has been big here as well. In fact, the ratio of debt, that is the national debt that we have, is 136% of the entire gross domestic product, which means it's bigger by 36 percent than the entire economy of the united states that seems unsustainable yeah it does seem unsustainable and it probably is unsustainable and it's massively inflationary if you look at president biden's uh budget proposal um he's going to spend six trillion dollars uh on the federal budget um that's not even close to anything that has been previously proposed. And it's important to point out that a lot of this has to do with the government doling out money, but 65% of this budget uh, actually comes from mandatory programs that they are required to spend that social security, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, the, uh, food stamps programs, etc. So, Part of it is government's on autopilot, The politicians like that, but they have very, very little interest in actually curtailing spending. In this crisis, it was a great opportunity for them to just flood the zone with money, and we're now facing the repercussions of
1: that. And if you talk to people that administer these programs at the state level, specifically like let's take the food stamp program or the SNAP yep. program, yep. it's kind of a running joke because according to the federal definition – they say that the EBT program, the SNAP program, is the most efficient and well-run and accurate program <laughs> th- in the federal government. That's right. literally one of the talking points. Yeah, and that's because they have literally handcuffed the people whose job it is to investigate the fraud. Right, and so because again, back to incentive structures, the federal government wants to spend money because they think it's like addressing the problem. Right. Um, when you actually look at the corporate partners that help administer the pro the funds allocation. They get paid regardless of whether the transactions are legitimate or not. So they're not incentivized to help lower the fraud rate. And of course, the consumers want as much money as they can get.
0: Yeah, and this this is part of the problem because the government has decided that their goal is to spend money. They don't care if it's a legitimate expenditure. They just want to sort of flood the zone. A prime example of this is the COVID program. Mm-hmm. Massive, massive waste and fraud. Now, again, the idea here you could say is kind of laudable, right? We're in the middle of a COVID crisis. We want to give a paycheck uh, help to businesses. But the reports are, I mean, this is an astounding number. The reports are, this is uh, quoting NBC News, that the amount of waste and theft of COVID relief funds could rival $579 billion. With a B. With a B. That is what Joe Biden's 10-year infrastructure plan, Build Back Better, Build Back supposed- Better. that's the amount of money they believe may have been stolen from the taxpayers, uh, Matthew Schneider, a former U.S. attorney, said nothing like this has ever happened before. I think it's a pretty straightforward and and safe statement to make.
1: Well, it was a global pandemic, right? It's the first time in 100 years, so they're trying to figure out. But this is why just printing a bunch of money and throwing a bunch of money at the problem isn't necessarily the best solution. And we're paying the price now. We're paying the price. Yeah, so A, we have inflation because of this. B, the programs weren't particularly well administered. You have some very amusing... And ludicrous examples of just what people did with some of this fraud. I know one of your uh favorite bands. That's a Florida band, Pretty Ricky.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never even heard of hip
1: hop and R and B band. Did you know them actually? Have I, you heard of them? I think I've heard of one of their songs. yeah okay. To, so
0: they are a legit quote unquote. Oh, band they're
1: a legit band. I had, I had to look it up, but the, one of the guys in Pretty Ricky, uh, Baby Blue, I guess during the pandemic, he's like, hmm. Well, he got a good accountant. He got a good lawyer. <laughs> Baby blue, you can get it on some of this PPP business. Yep, yep. So he did. He received a loan of four hundred and twenty six thousand dollars and another one of his businesses got seven hundred grand. So he
0: got more he got more than one point one million dollars. got
1: one point one million dollars. This is yeah. my best part of it. Like, okay, it's a global <laughs> pandemic. You're already a hip hop and R and B star. Yeah, he's a rapper. You're probably you're probably okay financially. Right. But hey, man, it's a pandemic, you never know what's gonna happen. Right. You get one point one mil from Uncle Sam. What do right. you do with it? You throw it in index fund and write it out? <laughs> do you ladder some CDs? Do you, you actually pay your employees? Do you, do you go into div- <laughs> no, none of that? Instead, what Pretty Ricky did is he went to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino Uh-oh. and purchased some luxury items like Ferraris. Now, he actually sort of got in trouble for this, and um he ended up having he submitted to this big statement that said I'm going to, because he's going to go to prison. He went to prison for 20 months. I'm going to come out, you know, with a, with a better understanding of myself, with a better self-awareness. They always say that. What he's not going to come out with is his Ferrari (laughs) because that was seized.
0: (laughs) That was seized. Well, that's good news. There are multiple examples of this. Um, There's another guy that received $17 million, Dinesh saw in PPP funds. Of course, this is because you're trying to hold your business together, right? This is, this is the claim. This is, uh, Giving relief to make sure that employees don't lose their job. What did Dinesh actually use his money for?
1: Payroll and uh, you know insurance. No, not that. A <laughs> fleet of luxury cars, a including fleet? a Bentley, a convertible, a Corvette Stingray, and Porsche Macan, including multiple luxury homes in Texas and California. And that's what trips me up. If you're sophisticated enough to know how to perpetuate and commit fraud at this level, like right. if you can trick the government into giving you seventeen million dollars in illegal or unauthorized activities, you'd think you'd be a little bit smarter about like what you do with money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times criminals aren't all that smart. We think they are, but it, it this is a massive problem. And as they said, some estimates are that more than $500 billion with a B, that is on a scale approaching the defense budget in the United States. I mean, that's how much was ripped off and stolen. So, you know, this is an example of the government throwing money at a problem, not really carrying in a crisis where the money goes. And certainly Dinesh and our friend, the rapper, uh, have ended up, uh, getting caught, but a lot of people probably aren't going to get caught. And I would bet there's going to be political pressure brought to bear behind the scenes to not press this. It's the same thing with the food stamps. They want to say, look, the goal here was to just put money into circulation. uh, So let's not get too carried away with this. Well, that's another key
1: element when it comes to the incentive structure, right? Because the government that administers the program isn't necessarily incentivized to then find it and report on previous fraudulent expenditures because it just makes everybody look bad.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. Well so those are the two big factors driving it monetary policy we we printed 23% of all the money in circulation in a two-year period, which is massive. That's inflationary. You've seen the federal budget and our national debt explode. That's been a huge contributing factor. The third one has been the demise of the domestic energy industry mm. in the United States. It's very interesting when you look at a lot of the inflation is driven by fuel. We're experiencing that with gas, but
1: remember... Because it not just what you have to pay at the pump, but like the producer price index, people have to pay to have the goods shipped places have to pay to get things exactly. moved, right? So it's literally baked in. It's like when you go to a place like California, um, you know, why is everything more expensive out there? Because the housing costs are so high, but those are baked in. Everybody that you're doing business with lives in an elevated price house, right? Yeah. So, and,
0: and you know, when they ship those Napa Valley wines to your house, yes. uh, that cost is increased as well. Daddy so,
1: loves his Elevette. There's no <laughs> doubt about it.
0: Are you trying to get some sort of corporate sponsorship? No, I already have a membership. Okay. All right. It's (laughs) a kind of wine.
1: It's not a corporate sponsor. Okay.
0: (laughs) So um, here are the raw numbers. If you look at domestic energy production in the United States, in 2019, we produced uh, 12.29 million barrels of oil. Uh, That's a good number. Here's the problem. By 2021, uh, that had dropped off by more than a million barrels of oil a day so 365 million less of barrels of oil produced in the United States. Uh, that number remains low at 11.85 million. So again, we're off by...
1: It's 8.5% drop.
0: Yeah, it's an 8.5% drop. And You know, like every other sector, it's about supply and demand. And so when you have domestic production drop that much, you can import more oil, but you've got rising demand everywhere else. It's going to lead to these inflationary pressures. Now, you had, of course, the invasion of Ukraine that has affected oil prices. But this trend has been going on really since the beginning of the Biden administration, because the Biden administration's restrictive policies have created problems for domestic energy producers. And the thing to keep in mind is when you are producing oil in the United States, it's not like you you and I could say, let's drill for oil in the backyard tomorrow and we just do it. Mm -hmm. You have a a big capital outlay. You have to get permits. It's a long-term process and you have to make a calculation based on the medium to long term. Whether it even going to be worthwhile to do it, and the Biden administration is totally hamstrung in those efforts.
1: Now let me ask you this, because I remember back the last time gas was four dollars plus a gallon was towards the end of the George W. Bush administration, and then they're trying to make these decisions about okay, like what do we do? And then they all these auto manufacturers went into um, you know creating lighter vehicles, more fuel efficient vehicles, and all those types of things. But some people would suggest, and the point is, so the price came back down, right? right. And eventually the market corrected. Yes, we got and it some. Will. We got some additional. So you think the market will correct? Because some people would say that this is actually part of the design. People think that they want to, whether because it's a climate change policy, they want to make driving less agreeable, they want to make it more expensive, they want to force people into mass transit, they want fewer cars on the road because they want less smog, they want less uh, pollution, and so this is, and they want to force people into electric cars. Now, do you ascribe? I, that? Think, I
0: think I think there's I think there's part of that strategy to it, and I think the oil prices will remain high until. You have people in Washington who actually encourage domestic production. But I mean, here's here's the reality. What people have to realize is that even the Biden administration's own numbers, their Department of Energy has said, what percentage of America's energy will be renewables by 2050? And this is the Biden administration, which is pushing this agenda. They believe by 2050, 25% of mm-hmm. our energy will so the point is they all recognize and know it's always gonna be a minority share. It's yeah, it, it, and and you look at the, the problem with a lot of renewables, when you start producing electric cars, you have huge demand for certain minerals. To produce these batteries, to make these batteries effective, to make them more efficient. It's going to require more technology and more minerals. And those minerals are hard to find. And there's increasing competition. So as you get more demand for electric batteries, you're going to get these rare earth minerals and others that you need for the the batteries. Those prices are going to skyrocket. So there's no easy solution. It's always a trade-off. But if you look at what the Biden administration has done Uh, They have done everything to hamstring the domestic industry. When Biden came in, the thing he did on the first day was restrict uh, gas, oil and gas leasing uh, on federal lands Uh, this past Friday. Uh, On Good Friday, they announced that they were going to uh, allow for drilling on federal lands. Well, that seems like it'll help. It seems like it would help. It happened because of pressure from a federal judge who said they were violating the law with that ban. But the problem is they said, we're going to offer some new leases, not a whole lot. But they also said, we're going to increase the federal royalty from 12% to 18%, which means now you're taking a bigger bite out of domestic producers. And what people have to understand is that these energy companies aren't making money hand over fist all the time the way they think they are. It's a volatile business. Taking a bite, a royalty rate like that is going to be very hard for oil companies uh, to master uh, and to, to remain profitable. No.
1: It's, so your point is like, hey, good news. It's going to be a problem for a
0: while. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be a problem for a while. And the evidence seems to be that inflation is not going anywhere. You know, it's not going away anywhere soon. And, and that's an enormous problem because it hits the average person. A lot of the financial firms on Wall Street, a lot of the government agencies can figure out creative ways around it. Uh, But for the average American, we don't have that luxury.
1: Okay, so last follow-up question. Let's say that the pressures and the prices stay what they are and people remain dissatisfied and that causes leadership change in, in terms of political takeovers for both the House and the Senate. Would that functionally change any of the policies because they still have to work with the Biden administration to do some of these things that you think are leading to the inflation, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think you cannot expect just a change in Congress to change this. You might get a change in en- energy policy, but monetary policy is controlled by the Fed, uh, and Joe Biden is the one who gets to appoint those Fed uh, governors. Now that is subject to congressional approval, uh, but it's likely you're going to get people in the Fed that are going to continue to sort of push this policy. They're increasing interest rates right now, uh, but over the long term. The spigot is going to be open on the money supply. And when it comes to government spending, I mean, do we seriously want to think there's going to be any effort by Republicans or Democrats in Congress to actually tackle the massive amount of government spending taking place?
1: But will that keep Republicans from campaigning on curtailing federal spending? No, absolutely not.
0: Not at all. Well, you've spent uh, some more time with us on The Drill Down. We always appreciate you doing so. You can find our podcasts and articles related to our podcast and other research at thedrilldown.com. You can pick up Eric's book, Fraud, on Voter Fraud at Amazon, and you can pick up a copy of my book, Red Handed, there as well. Thanks so much for joining us.